0: Good morning. My name is Joey Hook. I'm going to read the scripture passage this morning for Jared as he prepares to come. This is John 3, 16 through verse 21. Pretty familiar passage. I'm reading from the ESV. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Good morning, would you pray with me please? And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our heart, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as has already been said, we're a week away from Christmas, y'all. Like it is here. So much excitement, so much anticipation. And maybe so much shopping still left to be done. Um, And in accordance with the Advent calendar, um, as we heard read earlier, um, we today lit the candle of love. Love. There's perhaps nothing in all human history that has been the inspiration and topic of so much attention. Songs, poems, novels, films, greeting cards, advertisements. The list goes on and on. And that's because there is within us an essentially universal, innate concept of love. The love of a husband and a wife, parents and children, love between best friends, and between pets and their owners. Well, at least dogs for their masters. Yet, despite this universal understanding that love is, in fact, well, a thing, something, there's anything but, it would seem, a universal agreement about what exactly love is. Is love a feeling? An action? Is love actually attainable or always just out of reach? Can it fill your heart? Or will it only leave you heartbroken? Is it found in giving or in receiving? Is it something to long for or something that only leaves you longing? Plenty of famous people have weighed in with their opinion about love. Some of the more positive opinions are like the well-known quote from Alfred Lord Tennyson. "'Tis better to have loved and lost than to ever have loved at all yeah you know it the greek philosopher plato said at the touch of love everyone becomes a poet speaking of poets robert frost said this love is the irresistible desire to be irresistibly desired and sarah mclaughlin the singer said your love is better than ice cream probably said it to one of those dogs on the commercial that were rescued or something. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. In the arms of an angel. Just kidding. But on the flip side, there's not just positive views of love. There's also very skeptical and jaded views of love. Feminist activist and author Marilyn Yalom said, Living in an age of casual sex, serial commitments, and frequent divorce... We are all in danger of becoming as jaded as ancient regime aristocrats. Does the notion of undying love still have any meaning for us today? And in a similar sentiment, pop icon Lady Gaga said, Some women choose to follow men, and some women choose to follow their dreams. If you're wondering which way to go, remember, Your career will never wake up and tell you that it doesn't love you anymore. Such jaded, skeptical perspectives have undoubtedly led many people to believe that loving oneself is the answer for our innate longing for love. Huge celebrity, Will Smith, he said, The central idea of love is not even a relationship commitment. The first thing is a personal commitment to be the best version of yourself with or without that person that you're with. You have to, every single day, mind, body, and spirit, wake up with a commitment to be better. And an anonymous source wrote this. The self-esteem and love you have for yourself is the only gift you need to give. It isn't a selfish act to love yourself hard. Only you can love yourself to the fullest because you understand why every aspect of your life has happened. So who's right? Who's captured what love is? Our experiences undoubtedly tend to greatly affect our understanding of love. You may feel like, you never have been loved. Or you may fear that you never will be. You may be afraid of loving or of being loved. We all love the wrong things at times and desire love from the wrong places. And some of us simply feel unlovable. But, If love is nothing more than just our feelings and experiences, how could anyone feel jaded about their experience of love? Love simply is what it is for you, or is it? Is there true love that is available to anyone and everyone? The Bible makes an astounding claim. God is love. And if this is true, then to know true love, we must know God. It means God is both the the definer and the definition of love. And our only hope of properly understanding and fully experiencing love is to know him. And as at Christmas, we celebrate God giving the greatest gift of love the world has ever known. And what better place to consider this than the text that's before us today? Possibly the best-known text in all of the New Testament, if not the entire Bible, John three sixteen and the verses following. Now, let me be clear. An entire lifetime is far too short and insufficient to say all that could be said about God's love. And I'm not going to attempt to do that today. Um, as the marvelous hymn, The Love of God, declares, Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made, where every stalk on earth, a quill, and everyone ascribed by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. God's love is immeasurable, limitless, inexhaustible. So I'm not going to attempt to exhaust it today. But I do want us to focus then on three things that we see in these verses before us. The first of these things is this, that God's love is a rescuing love. Verse 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. It's this time of year when perhaps the most people are thinking about Jesus. Baby Jesus. Born of a Virgin Mary. Wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This idea inspires why we give gifts at Christmas time. Emmanuel. God with us, God's gift of love to us. The coming of Jesus is a de- declaration that God's love extends to anyone, anywhere, who would actually believe in Him. It's the dawn of redeeming grace that has dispersed the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows has put to flight. Joy to the world, we sing. The Lord has come. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. But the lyrics of these beloved Christmas carols that I know you love as I do. They should cause us to pause and ask some important questions. For what reason has redeeming love dawned, redeeming grace dawned? Why do the gloomy clouds and death's dark shadows need to be put to flight? How far exactly is the curse found? And who are these sinners and why do they need to be reconciled to God? we might summarize by asking this. Why did God give his only son? In the darkest time of year outside, there's a deeper darkness within, within each and every person, a darkness not of season, but of spirit, darkness which destines all of humanity to perish, not just physically in this life, Spiritually for eternity. God did not love the world and give his son to affirm us as we are. If he had, we would surely all perish. God did not love the world and give his son to celebrate the world. To do so would leave us condemned. What the world needs today and has always needed is not reassurance in our ruined state, but rescue. From it, By giving his only son, God has provided salvation, yes, from our sin, but also ultimately from ourselves. The reason we feel broken and lost is because we are. And in our natural sinful state, we try to find hope and peace, joy and love. The candles we have lit, we try to find these things apart from God. But... As St. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. God's love given in the form of his only son does not merely rescue us from our sin and from perishing. It rescues us to eternal life, to God himself. God's love for the world has been displayed in this way. He gave his only son, not just to be born as a baby, but to be crucified as a man in your place and in my place. But why, why would God do this? Because we are so great and so deserving of his love? No. Romans 5, 6 to 8 tells us, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So why then? because we love God so much and we're just desperately longing for him to love us back? Certainly not. For 1 John four ten actually says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says, Christians do not think God will love us because we are good, but that he will make us good because he loves us. Just as the roof of a greenhouse does not attract the sun because it is bright, but but it becomes bright because the sun shines on it. Nothing outside of God demands nor deserves his love. He loves because he chooses to do so. Like a spring continuously pouring forth cool, refreshing water, God's love flows down from his throne to revive our perishing souls. God's love is completely generated from within himself, from within who he is as the triune God. He is love himself. Love is his very nature. So how could we ever hope to receive God's love? The reformers understood this. It is by grace alone, through faith alone. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Some may say, but you don't know who I am. The scripture's answer is believe. But you don't know what I have done. Believe, but but you don't know what I've been through in my life. Believe, but I'm not a religious person. Believe, but what if I fail? You will. God knows you will. Believe in His Son. If you confess with your mouth Romans ten nine says that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You will be. Saved. Believe. God's love has not come to condemn, but to save, to rescue us. Therefore, verse 18 tells us, whoever believes in him is not condemned. The God who condemned his son on the cross to rescue you will not soon then turn and condemn you if you believe in his son. There is, therefore, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's love is, first of all, a rescuing love. But secondly, despite God giving His only Son to the world, God's love is also a rejected love. Verse 18 in the beginning in the middle of it says, "But whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed." in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. God's love does not condemn us. Our sin has already fully done that. There is no neutral status before God. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Ever since our first parents rejected God's love in the Garden of Eden, the entirety of the human race has inherited condemnation. We're blinded to our need for rescue lost in a never-ending cycle of being condemned in our sin, yet rejecting the salvation that has been provided. Some reject God's love because they refuse to believe God exists. Others reject God's love because of the suffering that they or others have experienced. They say things like, how could a loving God allow this diagnosis? How could a loving God permit so much poverty, death, and evil in the world? How could a loving God let my beloved family member die? And yet still others reject God's love because they do not believe his word has authority over their lives. God's word is outdated and no longer relevant today, they say. God's word has been corrupted through the years and can't be fully trusted. Or they ask does God really have my best interest at heart? Or is he actually holding out on me? There's an underlying assumption with these objections though, isn't there? It's that God simply has not done enough to show that he really loves us. If he had more people, it's assumed, perhaps all people would believe in him. This perspective demands that God prove his love on people's own terms as they choose, that it affirm them as they are. But our text today contradicts such faulty notions and prideful entitlements in the strongest of terms. We are the ones with whom the burden of proof lies. Sinners are who should be on the defensive, not God. Those who reject God's love do so not because God has somehow failed to woo them to himself, but because they love the darkness of their own sin and hate the light of God's love. Sinful humanity desperately needs rescue, every one of us. Yet it's like a person drowning in the ocean, unable to swim, but when offered to be brought on board a passing ship, slaps away the extended oar. It's like a man stranded on a desert island, but at the sound of an oncoming plane, instead of starting a fire on the, on the highest hill, runs to hide in the deepest, darkest cave. Charles Spurgeon said this. said, this is the doctrine that we preach. If a man be saved... All the honor is to be given to Christ. But if a man is be lost, all the blame is to be laid upon himself. You will find all true theology summed up in these two short sentences. Salvation is all of the grace of God. Damnation is all of the will of man. By sending his son, God has placed before all people The choice between death and life, between curse and blessing, between darkness and light. Love for the light brings life, but desire for the darkness brings death. C.S. Lewis also said in his book, The Four Loves, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. I think Lewis is onto something here because these words ring true even among human relationships and with pets, as he says. But all the more so are they true with our relationship with God. Like Adam and Eve, whose eyes were opened and they knew they were naked, in our sin, we are fully exposed before God and we hide in the shadows. In our sin, we're convinced there's life in the darkness, that our fig leaves cover us, that idolatry will make us feel loved. Sadly, many would rather stay hidden in the darkness of sin and be exposed by the light of God's love. Isaiah was one who understood being exposed by God. When he exclaimed in Isaiah 6, verse 5, Woe to me, I am undone. There in the presence of the king. But it was that very exposure that he experienced where he heard the beautiful words in verse 7. Your guilt is taken away and your sins atoned for. The divine paradox is that acknowledging that we already are condemned is the first step in not being condemned. Our plea of guilty is necessary for our acquittal. Those who reject God's love have tragically decided the forbidden fruit is sweeter. And the condemnation is more comfortable. God's love is a rescuing love. But for many, it's a rejected love. But for all of humanity, God's love is thirdly and finally today, a revealing love. It's a rescuing love, a rejected love, and a revealing love. Verse 21 says, But whoever does what is true comes to the light. So that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. From the beginning, God has been revealing his love in his creation, to his creation, and through his creation. The intricate design and undeniable order of creation declares the love of its creator. But not only that, God has revealed his love specifically to humanity through his word recorded in scripture. His law given through Moses, his word spoken through the prophets, writings like Psalms and Proverbs, the gospel accounts in the New Testament and the epistles written to the church. But as we've seen and been considering today, the greatest way of all that God has revealed his love is through the sending of his son, the greatest gift ever given. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, that we might see his glory, glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. God has most fully revealed who he is by sending his son into the world. But God's love also reveals who we are, perishing, condemned, wicked, evil, haters of the light, desperately in need of rescue a rescue that God himself has provided. When Christ shines into our darkness, he draws believers to himself and we are transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son, Colossians 1.13. We are also transformed from those who do wicked things in the darkness to those who rejoice in the light Of all that is good and true and beautiful. God's love that has been revealed to us is then revealed through us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to put to death the works of the flesh and produce the fruit of the Spirit. We can bear such fruit, Jesus said in John 15, only by abiding in His love. For apart from Him, from him we can do nothing. The spirit causes God's love that's been poured into our lives to then spill out from our lives. We love because he first loved us. This love is so different from the world that it reveals that we belong to Christ. We are set apart. John thirteen thirty five Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In John 15, 12, he says, this is my command to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. See, the change in our lives doesn't point back to how great we are, but to how great God and his love are. The more God's love is revealed to us, the more brightly it is revealed through us. Charles Spurgeon also said this. Y'all knew I couldn't just do one quote. He captured, I think, this thought so eloquently when he said, the Bible is not the light of the world. It is the light of the church. But the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. Christians, this Christmas season, while those around you search to find love in so many wrong places, remember that the love of God has rescued you, that it has been revealed to you in his son through the power of his spirit, and that you have been conscripted to have his love revealed through you by the regenerating work of that spirit. You've not been brought into light just to bask in it, but to reflect it out into God's world. Remember that the light of the world has shone on you and now should shine from you. Remember, Christians, while others may be obsessed with giving and receiving the best gifts that money can buy this season, that you have been bought by the greatest gift ever given, rescued by the king and for the king. And no one can snatch you from his hand. You are his. Go and live like it. For those who have not yet believed, yet, not yet believed, today, God has revealed his rescuing love to you. A love that, like the rest of us, you could never deserve but by his grace is offered to you. Reject it no longer. Believe in Christ today. Leave the darkness. Let go of your pride that condemns you. Loose your spiritual fig leaves and step into the light of God's redeeming love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And pray with me. Father, we acknowledge that we are completely unworthy of your love. And yet through your love, received by faith, Lord, you have declared us of the greatest worth. Father, I pray that Whoever is hearing my voice right now would know from your word, not from mine, that you have displayed your love for them. And God, I pray that you would give them eyes of faith today. God, for the rest of us who have believed, Lord, would you increase our faith? Lord, may we see the true reason that we celebrate, the reason for all the lights that light up the darkness this season. That is the light of your love that is light, has lit up our lives. To you be the glory, and to us be all the good that you have offered us through your love. Amen.